Hey everyone and welcome back to the Harmful Habits Podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing the intersectionality of violence and racism. But first, before that, our good friend, Elevation Beats. So, season what? Four. Episode six. Is it six? Yep. My goodness. Have we Flying fixed racism? By. Yet? I don't know if we've done all that. I mean, have we fixed racism? Not just yet. All right. We're getting We're working there. on it. All right. Thank you for the likes. Please be sure to share and to follow. And today's topic is the intersection of violence and racism mm-hmm. not Ooh, so much unpack here yeah not so much how racism leads to violence but more what are the similarities between people who hold racist beliefs and people who hold beliefs that justify violence is that mm-hmm. about right yes what, what's a mean so busy with over there he's playing on his phone <laughs> wow all right should we get started with some jokes nah. oh yeah i can't remember. nah right, let, let me hear it i mean is it one you stole from me earlier in the week? No, no, no. I actually found a different one. So, do they allow laughing in Hawaii? Or just aloha? <laughs> You're like the encyclopedia of dad jokes. You knew that one. Is it, isn't it meant to be told, are you allowed to la- laugh loudly in Hawaii? Or, or can you aloha. just give aloha? Ah. You know, you're probably right. But there we go. I'm not a dad yet. I'm pre-dad jokes. Wow. All of it's bad. <laughs> I'm going to skip my dad joke today. Go ahead. Um, I forgot it. Okay, good. Oh, no, no, no. Unless, oh. I was going to tell a joke about trickle-down economics, but 99% of you wouldn't get it. <laughs> but... All right. I mean, how was your week? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I tried Pilates. Terrible. How How was that? Horrible. I thought it was so easy when I did <laughs> no, it. No, it's hard to tell it, it. When I woke up the next day, I was like, what is going on with my hips? I did you know. go to a studio or did you do it at home? We did like a home video thing mm-hmm. for an hour. And I was like, this is so easy, whatever. Next day. Did you record it? No, it's okay. I would love no. to have seen that. We have to talk to Chrissy. <laughs> Were you Maybe wearing your caveman outfit while number. doing this? Maybe. Oh my goodness. So that's what Chrissy's into. <laughs> Pilates with a caveman. Yep. All right, we have a goal today of three roses for those of you playing along on TikTok. Um, oh, look, there's little CC closed caption stuff. I'm easily amused. Mm-hmm. Clearly. All right. So How was ha- your week? It was all right. Okay. It was okay. You? Jimmy said, how was your week? Oh, it was good. I just asked. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my week was a bit challenging due to some challenges in my relationship. Which one? (laughs) (laughs) My wife's always focusing on herself. (laughs) How was your week, Jamisa? It was a good week. Yeah. What did you enjoy about it? I have got some big goals, some deadlines accomplished and done early. You took over ownership of three trees last week. Yeah, I took over three trees. Wow. How does that feel? Trying to see if I can get my key back from you. (laughs) Wow. Got to turn the key in and everything, yeah. huh? All right. How's that feeling? Oh, it feels good. I don't know. You have to ask the people that work uh, that work for me. Oh, we've been talking. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's probably waiting to turn in his resume. I mean, his resignation. Sorry. And his key. And, and his key. You've had to get a whole bunch of keys. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, why did we even want to talk about this? I think just because there's such a strong correlation, right, between the two. Right. Um, I think you and Amin and myself and other people have done, or you and Amin have done so much work working with um, in our classes of people who have committed violence. And, you know, and you guys, I'm sure, have lots of stories to share about the, the similarities that you've had, right, in classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so today's episode, just for those of you just joining us who had the good fortune of missing out on the first 10 minutes of Babel, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the similarities 
between beliefs supportive of racism and beliefs uh, supportive of violence. And for those of you who don't know, at Three Trees, we've spent the last 15 years working with individuals who engage in domestic violence and sexual violence and things like that. And there's so much overlap. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into all of that. We'll talk about all of that. All right. So to begin with, I mean, what are some of the similarities you see? Between violence and racism? Beliefs that support violence and beliefs that support racism. I think there's a lot of it. I think there's a lot of lack of empathy going on with, uh, with that correlation. And then going back to what Jamiso was saying, with our own classes, we see it's a lot of those, can I say, conservative beliefs mm -hmm. uh, existing in those classes. A lot of racist beliefs, a lot of homophobic beliefs, all these kinds of things in our clients that we see. Like have a lot of kind of conservative slash traditional roots. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. I think the inability um, I think to be challenged that, is yeah. a lot. Um, that happens a lot. Um, I think Amin has a funny story that he challenged um, someone, I think probably for about six or seven months in the class. And it, I mean, it, all, what we were supposed to do, and the person was like, this is like the worst class ever <laughs> because mm. they were challenged. But just not being able to listen um, uh, uh, and just, you know, and sometimes it's what I've seen even yesterday is just people just not like they hear what they want to hear. And they just kind of just immediately move on. And so they come in with a certain sense of, of defensiveness um, that we that I think tends to, to occur in most of our classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he literally told me this was his least favorite domestic violence program he's had to take. <laughs> <laughs> and it reminds me of a comment we just got. Like someone said, I was here for two seconds and heard racist and homophobes. I don't think we've even mentioned homophobes yet. It was just something they heard. Mm -hmm. Um, looks like we have some institutionalized folks. Good day. <laughs> but it's the, it's the same thing That's like yesterday. We yeah. Talking about, like, like, I would tell someone something mm -hmm. yesterday and I was just signing people in class and like they heard one thing and like you could see their F3 just shooting through the roof. And it's mm -hmm. like, buddy, I didn't even say that, mm -hmm. you know, but they just, mm -hmm. but the moment I was like, I gave them a second. It was like, nope, that's not what I said. They're like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But then there's no accountability to like, you know what, I like that person that just, you know, that made that left the comment um, on TikTok is like they just hear one thing and they are F3, you know, their defense is automatically mm -hmm. up. And so another part of that is so we got the defensiveness. That's a similarity. We'll dive into that. I think the spectrum is very similar. Like everyone would say they're not violent. Everyone would say they're not racist. But I think we all exist on a spectrum when it comes to these issues. Mm -hmm. And we have issues from low-lying issues to moderate to severe. Um, but I think people always tend to look at the extremes with violence and racism. So we'll find, right, I mean, in domestic violence class, people will say they're not domestically violent because they've never punched her in the face or mm -hmm. something. And they won't consider all the other types of violence, all the words they've used, or all the threatening behaviors they've used, or like threatening to kill family pets as violent yeah. because mm -hmm. they've never physically. And so I think there's a lot of that spectrum that exists in both of them, in both um, domestic violence and in our approaches to racism. A third one, I think, is victim blaming. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know quite how to word this very well, but like anytime I go to a conference on domestic violence, it's full of women who statistically are not the ones who are engaging in lethal violence. domestic mm -hmm. violence. When you go to a Black Lives Matter conference, it's typically black People individuals of color, yeah. who are not the ones who are engaging in marginalization of the black community or acting as though black lives don't matter. And so that's what I mean kind of by this victim blaming that the victims, the people who have been impacted are having to do all the work of the change mm -hmm. rather than the people who are engaging in the behavior itself. And it almost feels like I think on the end of being one, a woman and a woman of color is like you almost feel gaslit at times because you're like, is it really happening? Because like I go to these conferences, you said domestic violence, and you're like, well, it's definitely us in here. Yeah. And so I might be an outlier in today's conversation because I'm probably representing a demographic that if it changed the most could have the best impact on both of these issues. But a consequence of that is because, let's say, European-American males are not impacted by um, domestic violence, because they're not impacted by racism, they also oftentimes have no motivation to change it. Mm -hmm. Like because it's an indirect um, 
positive that could happen to them. It doesn't like raise their bank account. It doesn't make their lives any easier necessarily. It doesn't make their kids' lives any easier necessarily, or they can't directly see that correlation. They have much less motivation to engage in change. And it's difficult to get people to change behaviors. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to motivate people to do the right thing. You said something, and I do use this a lot in my private practice, about like people change when it, like, when it directly impacts them or people will change a behavior when, when it's hard. Well, it's so much pain that they have experienced as a result of it that they, they know at that moment I have to change. Otherwise, like people just kind of go about their day being selfish and they kind of stay in their tone, like just tonal vision. Um, and they can't see anything outside of that because it does not directly impact them. Yeah. So I think people often change, like we think about evolution and, uh, I remember this one, um, biologists talking about fish only grew legs when they absolutely had to. <laughs> they weren't growing them beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I think of change very similarly to that. And so because the groups that we need to change aren't impacted directly um, by the, the negative consequences of racism or of violence towards women, um, we're probably much less likely to see change. hope that's not too pessimistic. No, I think it's, but I think it's true. Right. In my opinion, I don't know. What do you think of me? I don't think it's pessimistic. I think it shows that we need to identify which group pain. needs the most care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to identify where the pain is, where the harmful habits are a little bit better so that we can recognize it and make those changes. Because another thing you say, I feel like we're complimenting Ben a little too much right now. But <laughs> another thing Ben says uh, often is that uh, people don't change based on logic. They, ba- they change based on emotion and mm-hmm. experience. And so I think that's important, too, uh, so building that empathy. Do you think when we talk about violence, um, and we'll just stick with violence because I think we can always, we, this is obviously going to go over to racism, but like, do you feel like people that engage in a certain type of violence, and maybe the classes that we teach here at Three Trees, um, that they just, they can't, they lack the ability to have or develop empathy? I, I think that's too binary. I think that level of empathy needs to be increased. Um, the other word I would use is narcissism, mm-hmm. like their focus on their life versus. So a great example of not great is in positive, but a great, a clear example of that is when you'll have individuals who are harming the mother of their children talk about being a good dad. Yeah. And they yeah. won't have that awareness that by hurting the mother of their children, they're also hurting their children. Mm hmm. And when you say, hey, buddy, you're hurting your children, the level of emotional reaction you get um, is incredibly high. I never put my hands on that kid. So I think that's another similarity we should explore today mm-hmm. is um, this sense of self and how the sense of self prevents people from changing. So if I see, if I see myself as not being racist and Jamise is like, hey, Ben, that was pretty racist because it doesn't align with my sense of self. I put all my energy into defending myself Mm -hmm. rather than being like, hey, I should work on this. Or if I don't see myself as that way at all and I, you present the spectrum of violence to me, then I'm going to get defensive about even being on the spectrum because Mm -hmm. I've always told myself violent men are bad. Mm -hmm. I will not associate myself in any way. So let's start there. Let's start with the spectrum of violence. Ooh. How violent are you? So this is a test that people can take at home. I would invite our good friend Bot to take this test. <laughs> he may find it interesting. Um, so Bot, if you're still with us, the first level of violence would be passive. All right? Mm-hmm. So passive violence means eye rolling, teeth sucking, Jamisa. I do not suck my teeth. That ain't uh, even, that's a slurp. But go ahead. <laughs> I can't do a teeth suck. Can you, can you demonstrate No, one, I cannot. But go ahead. Oh my God, stop. Was that right? So all of these ways that we indicate frustration with the other person without saying, hey, I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. And so that passive violence is level one. Door slamming. Uh, door slamming is getting a bit you up think? there. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because that gets into like furniture, destruction okay. and stuff right. like Malish. that. Yeah. I, but I think kids door slamming is an example of that. Um, right. Right? So that would be level one. If you've ever engaged in any kind of that passive communication to express your frustration. And the reason we put it on the harmful habit um, spectrum is because when you use it, what does the other person naturally do? Do they say... 
oh my goodness, you sound frustrated. Let me fix this. No. What do they do? I think they start a question like, are you okay? They want to know what's going on. I want an answer. Or they joined you on the, on the spectrum. Mm. And they start getting passive aggressive. Have you ever been passive aggressive with me if I've engaged in passive aggressive behavior? I'm way too frightened to do that. <laughs> Go I'm, ahead. I'm way too intimidated by you. So Jamisa's favorite. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, again, let's talk. This has been being funny. This has not been being serious. Passive form of uh, passive aggressive communication is I wish you would. That is it. That's not passive. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's like, a we, we, yeah, we, we've moved up on the, spe- <laughs> on the scale of that. That's threatening. Oh, our friend Debbie Deb joined. All right. So level one, passive communication. Mm-hmm. Level two, you get into shaming and blaming. And this is where the individual tries to get the other person to change their behavior by shaming them or making them feel responsible for the problem. Hmm. So The gaslighting stuff. You're getting into gaslighting. It's a whole range of behaviors. And this could be like me saying to you something like, oh, this is just like you. You do say that. So that would be a shame-based statement because I'm trying to say there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. and this behavior is reflective of that problem with you. If you were to fix this behavior, then I wouldn't be experiencing this issue. Okay. So it's an attempt to change a reality by coercing the other person into mm-hmm. change. What are some of your favorite attempts to shame and blame me? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Why do you always do this? Mm-hmm. I should have married that other guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. I was going to ask me, how do we, how do I do this in the workplace? But hopefully I don't shame and blame I anyone feel, at work. I feel like we avoid most of these at work. Most. Almost. Some of the time. I don't like At least on absolutes. the days when Jamise is not at work. <laughs> um, so that would be shaming and blaming. That would be level two on this kind of power and control or violence ladder spectrum, whatever you would most like to call it. Level three is, and I, I flipped these recently and tell me what you think. You Did you tell us that you flipped them? No. <laughs> because they're in the book, they're not flipped. So that would be God. confusing. But we have it traditionally as cussing and fussing. Mm-hmm. Is okay. the next. What did you flip it around to? Commanding and demanding first. I think we start to tell people what they're going to do and what they're not going to do before we go into cussing and fussing. And, okay, well, we can debate that, but let's not. So let's go ahead. So and, let's just say we'll use the traditional one. Cussing okay. and fussing is level three. Okay. And this is where people start raising their voices and they mm-hmm. start using names and derogatory terms for the other person. Mm-hmm. Once again, the illogical goal is that if you make the person feel bad enough about who they are, they will change their behavior and ease your problem. Mm-hmm. That's what violence is, is an attempt to change one's behavior by externalizing responsibility to them to alleviate your internal responsibility for the problem that you're dealing with. Right. All right. So level three, cussing and fussing, Jamisa. What? Would you like to review any of your favorite cussing and fussing? I don't cuss at you. All right. <laughs> level four. <laughs> uh, and this is like that irony, right? Like if people knew us. Like um, outside the home, they would see me as the more verbal one. Oh and my gosh! One. Now, are you trying to say you're a victim of domestic violence? But at home, I'm afraid to speak. Disclaimer: Ben is not afraid to speak. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, <laughs> at home, I get three coupons a day, and I'm allowed to use <laughs> each coupon for one conversation. I'll allow you three conversations in the home. Mm-hmm. Will you please go on? I am about to get into cussing and fussing and commanding and demanding. Right. The police is about to leave my vocabulary. So, are you okay if I use one of my coupons right now? Please proceed. Level four, commanding and demanding. And this is where people start telling the other person what they are going to do and what mm-hmm. they're not going to do. Like, you're not leaving this house tonight. You're going to give me your phone. All this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Level, um, so level Five, you get into controlling movement, level six, um, you get into like physical contact, level seven, you get into uncontrolled, it goes upwards from there. Mm-hmm. What level do you all think is illegal? Hopefully you both know this as you teach domestic violence classes. Fussing and cussing. Yeah, mm-hmm. level three. And that's what messes people up. Mm-hmm. So once you get to level three, you're reaching like a legal definition of violence, never mind clinical. Right. I think clinical definition is level one. Yep. 
Like, and mm-hmm. so people don't identify themselves as violent, despite we all using these kind of violent tactics every day. Don't you? It's like one of the first few assignments, right? That people always mess up on. We have to explain like what they did mm-hmm. and like talk about like where within this is, you know, when did it reach this part of it being illegal mm-hmm. by our state definition? And they always argue the point yep. constantly about how they did not, they, they did not engage in any type of violence. So, that is the spectrum approach to violence. And I think when most people hear that, they're like, well, damn it, I'm on the spectrum. I've engaged in violent behavior in the past. And whenever people come to our trainings, like um, professionals and stuff, they're like, I never thought of myself as violent anymore. And it helps people get past that thinking error. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest commonalities between violent behavior and racist behavior is starting to recognize that you're on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. As a European-American you're going to be on that spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. And once you recognize that, you can start moving down it. So once you recognize, like, man, I go to a three sometimes, and there's been times in my life where I've been at a four, and when I use alcohol, I'm at a seven, whatever the case may be for you, you can then start setting boundaries and really making progress. Right. You can say, hey, I'm never going to go above a two. And when it gets to a two, here's what I'm going to do to exit. And you can do the same thing with racist behavior mm-hmm. and racist language. Mm-hmm. You can say, here's what an eight, level eight racist looks like. Here's what level six, level four, level two. Here's what I'm willing to do, what willing not to do. Here's the boundaries I'm going to set myself. Here's how I'm going to learn and grow. So if you get to level three or level four and you're trying not to, but you keep going back to there, eventually you're going to want to get some help with that. And so I think it's really helpful that when people start recognizing this, they say, oh, like violence, Racism exists on a spectrum. Right. And to become less racist, I may need some outside help, but I definitely need to know where I'm at on this spectrum and start setting some boundaries. I think the easiest way to do that is to go to the um, Harvard implicit bias tests Mm -hmm. and just take a bunch. And you will find out very quickly all your different prejudices, uh, whether you're sizest, ageist, ableist, all that kind of stuff. You've taken those before, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Have you taken them? I mean... Mm -mm. He I was afraid. Yeah, I, I thought I would score off the charts. <laughs> to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oh, f- from there, Jamisa just spilled her drink. We'll leave that down there. Um, just a word of warning. Try not to mix your uh, Coca-Cola oh my God. with rum when doing a podcast. Because <laughs> when you spill your drink, everyone in the room will be able to smell that it wasn't just Coca-Cola. <sighs> I can't. I'll be picking the kids up today, apparently. Goodness. I'd hate for them to get spilled. Will you stop? Disclaimer, it was just Coca-Cola. Thank you. I mean. <laughs> it does not smell like anything else. I mean, has been coached by our lawyers and <laughs> he has all the disclaimers in place now. All right. So that was the first similarity mm-hmm. that we see a lot of is just the need for. A, did you get it on Yeah, Amin's I couch? did. I, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm ruining your office. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't buy the couch. <laughs> All right. So blaming and shaming. It was. <laughs> Quick example there. Um, so, I mean, what level of violence do you typically reach? Probably that passive. Just one? That's it? I, if I'm really annoyed, I probably will move into the blaming and shaming and kind of like what Jamisa said, the, you always do this. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most. I do go to fussing and cussing in soccer. Okay. Yeah. So you're saying in your personal relationship. It's typically two, passive. Soccer, three. Yes. What about when you're watching the Algerian national team lose once again? 27. <laughs> have you ever broken furniture at home while watching soccer? Mm-mm. No, because the punishment would have been much too severe <laughs> growing I, I up. I mean, as an adult. I haven't been an adult too long is what I'm realizing. Oh. <laughs> Things are expensive. Maybe if I. <laughs> have you yelled at the TV? Uh, I've almost cried. I don't really yell at the TV. I can't see you yelling. Yeah. I mean, I have to be involved. Those in are the playing. ones you gotta watch out for. <laughs> it, if I if I'm in the middle of playing a game, I might yell and scream and cuss, but not while watching. While watching, I'll just get very sad or very excited. Okay. Where where do you where would you be on that I spectrum? I think we should grade each other. Um, you definitely will go to shaming and blaming. Um, occasionally you may fuss and cuss. You will fuss. You'll change your tone and stuff. Curse occasionally. You say I like a cuss with my eyes. You do. 
Like that doesn't even make any sense. So uh, what what level is that? Cussing with your eyes isn't on. There. No, cussing and fussing is that four? Three. Three. Are you? You'll get to a three. I do not raise my voice at home. You, your tone will become sharp. But <laughs> that's not cussing and fussing. Are you? Are you really going to argue the spectrum with me? I am. Are I, you not sounding like uh, someone that we would be <laughs> giving a workbook to? <laughs> oh dear. All right. Would you like me to grade you? Sure. Yeah, you are quick to cuss and fuss. Quick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Do you even have I think a- I use profanity just in, in Wait, conversation, though. Are you really going to argue this to me, sir? Because I feel like you're one of the people who need the workbook. <laughs> but don't you think that like, I use it more frequently in conversation, just in like just mm-hmm. general conversation? All right. So work with me here, okay? Right. Take a deep breath. Why do you think we don't like to admit these things about ourselves? Because we see ourselves as one way. We see ourselves as being like the most positive aspects of ourselves. That's who I think we try. A lot of people see themselves as. I would, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I would like, you know, get up in Ben's face and curse him out because I don't want people. She does. I don't want, I don't want to think that about myself. I I certainly don't want other people to think that about me. Mm -hmm. So then I'm not going to think that. And it's just an ego. Okay. What about, why do you feel, why do you think people don't see that about themselves? Or why I don't see it about myself? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I do see it about myself and maybe I'm embarrassed. Hmm. Interesting. And maybe mm-hmm. it like touches into shame. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wish I was always like the kindest, most gentlest person ever. And I recognize, um, I think with the kids I am. Um, I don't think I'm quick to. No, I don't think either one of us are. I think with the kids I am. <laughs> Um, but I do recognize like with you, I will move into feeling like you need to be doing something different Mm -hmm. versus I need to be managing what I'm feeling. And I think there's some shame attached to that. Mm -hmm. Like I wish I was more like level zero, a hundred percent of the time. But do you feel like if when we, if we're bringing this back then over to like, um, like with the racism and people just not seeing themselves as having certain biases that, that they, they do see themselves as being a good person. Like similar mm-hmm. to what I would say, like, Oh yeah, it I don't engage like in this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm quicker probably, I'd be quicker to admit my level of racism than I would. Really? Yeah. And I think it's just cause I'm surrounded by. I was going to say maybe, yeah, because there's a certain level of comfort, right. That you can talk about that yeah. versus me saying and that I you engage so in often. violence. Yeah. Like I see it in my own thoughts so often where I'm just like, oh, that doesn't align well. Or the people around me are very quick to point things out. Mm-hmm. And so I think I have a lot more. Uh, so you're saying there's been, you've had years of build, build, like of skill building, if you will. Mm-hmm. And people pointing out very quickly, like, man, when you said that, I felt this way. Mm-hmm. So like you look at our friend group, they're very assertive with their feedback. Mm-hmm. So if I were to say something that's insensitive, um, they would be quick to challenge me and also provide me why. Which yeah. is really helpful. Yeah. I don't think we talk about violence in relationships as much. Mm. So think about it. You go to a friend's house. You see, let's say, the wife shaming and blaming, commanding and demanding, cussing and fussing. Would you talk to him about that? Probably not. I'd even say I barely see it. It's something people hide a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but let's say you but were yeah, yeah, that yeah. you did watch someone like completely go would... in on someone. We've seen it. And you just kind of sit there and be like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is uncomfortable. I, I think, you just don't say anything. I think me and Christy were just having an off day. <laughs> is that what I mean? Well, yeah, I don't know what I would do. Wait, you want to do your disclaimer? No. Oh, It was us in the example. <laughs> <laughs> ben and Jamisa didn't know how to approach me. I was fuming. <laughs> But yeah, it's one of those things, I think when we've seen it, we've been a witness to it, you just kind of, they leave and you're like, oh my goodness, like you like, just I don't know I'm what to say. I think I'm quicker to challenge racist behavior or homophobic behavior than I am people moving up the pound control ladder. But I think for a lot of people, it's the opposite, right? That you have people who are like, hey man, you shouldn't talk to your wife this way. But you know. I don't think people do. You don't think they do either one? I don't think people ever. So you, you ever seen those studies, like, we may be veering off course a little bit here, but I think it's fine, where like they'll take strangers out in public and they'll set up these scenarios mm-hmm. where a man's hurting a woman, but it's obviously doesn't know her mm-hmm. versus a man's hurting a woman and it's obvious they're together. And when they're together, no one will help her out. But when mm-hmm. it's obvious they're not an item or not together, people will help 
um, the woman out very quickly. And so I think we really have these kind of sexist notions that underlie this sense of that's between them. That's crazy. Do you think we like justify things somehow? Be like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on between them. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. turning a blind eye to it. Like they just like they're, I'm just I'm gonna pretend it's not happening. Maybe. But it's also the cost of pointing these things out, right? Yeah. Like, but it's go ahead. Like, well, let's say for example that Amin were to be violent or something in front of us. Like for us to point that out means we're probably never gonna hear from him ever again. Huh. I'm glad you guys value me so much. That's why you didn't approach yeah. me. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, don't say anything. I mean, I need him. So we back at work on I Monday. Put a post on, I put a post on the old Instagram stories today, and it was a quote from someone, and it said something like, um, "People who are willing to hear feedback about themselves without running away are the most likely to grow." Hmm. But I well, think, well, then we're in a sad state. Mm-hmm. For real. And I think uh, that kind of reflects what we're talking about here. Whereas we don't like to hear if we're racist, we don't like to hear if we're violent, um, what level we may, we may be at mm-hmm. on that. Because I think the moment if you were to challenge someone even about violence within their relationship or even with their kids, like people will go in and like, you know, how dare you come and talk to me about how I raise my kids or how I am in my marriage. Um, and again, you, I'm sure the same thing would occur if you were t- telling someone like, Hey, that comment you made was, um, sexist or it was racist mm-hmm. or homophobic that, you know, you would get similar type of feedback. Yeah. Well, yeah, we are in a sad state then. End of the podcast, end of this episode. So I mean, what about in your personal relationships with friends and with your partner? Um, how comfortable are you challenging the power and control ladder, the spectrum, and also the like, the racist spectrum, the homophobic spectrum, all those kinds of things. Yeah, the racist and homophobic spectrum, I think I'm quick to challenge it. And I don't know if I've encountered too much or maybe... What strategies do you use? Just, hey, that's not okay. And if you're going to keep talking like that, I don't think I'm comfortable being around you. Okay. And that's about it. I remember, remember we did that podcast that did not air with the person that you knew? Mm-hmm. And they were engaging in language that we all felt was not very consensual. Mm-hmm. And we, we were surprised, right? Because Amin said he called the person afterwards mm-hmm. and was like... For like three in. hours. And I was like, please, like, st- tell me like one thing to mm-hmm. make me keep this uh, friendship going. And he didn't at the end. I was like, I don't think I can be friends with you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a long conversation and shocking. What leads to that determination that you don't think it's worth having a friendship? So there's this saying, uh, I don't think it's Algerian, it might just be Arabic in general. Uh, the person who I'll hangs go ahead around, and translate it for you. <laughs> oh my God. I'll translate it for you. But the person who hangs around the perfume maker smells good. And so mm. it's like the people who you surround yourself with reflect on you. Mm-hmm. And so Is that it, like if you lay down with dogs, you'll get up with flies or whatever? Fleas. Fleas. Uh, but yeah, I don't I think guess. so, babe. Mm-hmm. But, but go ahead. But that's a more positive version yeah. of it. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, so in general, like, when they show these things, and even after you have a conversation explaining kind of the pain and the, the you know, where you're coming from, and them not receiving that, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, you're also lacking empathy towards this, you know, mm-hmm. thing that's very important to me, so I don't know if I can continue this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you so. think if the person didn't defend what they were saying, their comments, but just saying, just being able to sit and listen, would that have made a difference? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Ben met my other friend, Ben, who's a more conservative guy. But when I tell him, hey, I, I don't appreciate this, I don't like this, whatever, he'll hear me out. And he'll even change a lot of the ways he talks about things or mm-hmm. moves about things and acts on things. And obviously, still not perfect, but... Is he your accountability partner in the Trump? Um, <laughs> the university? Mm-hmm. No, no. He didn't, but see, he didn't vote for Trump. He voted for Biden. He, he didn't enjoy voting for Biden, but he was like, I can't vote for somebody like Trump. And so I thought that was a respectable thing. Mm-hmm. Though you went to Trump University. Yeah, he's he, still friends with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, yep. D- disclaimer. I mean, did not go to Trump University. <laughs> um, I think you're more willing to tolerate it in your friend group. Tolerate the violence? All someone? of it. Racism, sexism. Racism? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, I'm offended. What? What are you talking about? I think you're more passive with your friends. What? What non? I am more passive with my friends. I think maybe not so much now than I have been in the past. Mm-hmm. But where would I be around a group of people that would make a racist comment? You've been around people who've made very prejudiced comments. Okay. And maintained the friendships. Okay. 
And I think it's interesting to see how different people navigate it. Because mm-hmm. I'm probably more like a mean. No, I mean, we've had situations where you have called people out that was at our house and we haven't heard from them again. So, you know. I mean, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> you can go back now. Um, so I think, but that's just the difference in approach to some of this stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Why do you tend to maintain? I think I, so we'll, I think when people make comments that I may not always necessarily align with, I, I think I would just, I, I'm curious about, I'm not quick. I think I'm more curious about like what is the context of what this conversation is even happening in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for those people that have made comments like that, like I'm not close to them. You know what I mean? Like if you think about it, like I'm not close to them. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying. Yeah, I just so. Yeah, just. And I think there have been times where there have been challenges. I don't think there are challenges in the way that you would want them done. Like, I think mm. you're very much like, I'm going to be very direct with you right now in this moment to say this is not okay. And you're welcome. And so my approach to things, I think, are very different than yours. And mm. so you want to see, like, it's not a confrontation that you have, but it's a very direct conversation that you will have with people. And I'm not always that direct. Not in that way. Not in the way that you are. So you and me, I mean. You think no, we I just mean, don't care about losing people? Because for me, it's like... Wow, this became a... <laughs> I know. I <laughs> no, feel like I'm being like, 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 me and Ben often talk about this, and I'm actually curious where you are with this, Jamisa, as well, but, like, we identify kind of as more introverted. And so the... You too? hmm And so, at least me, for sure. You're, you're much more introverted than me, Jamisa. Okay, go ahead. But, uh, you're both of y'all. Both well, y'all. I'm definitely very introverted, right? So for me, I don't care to have a large friend group. And mm-hmm. so the few people I talk to, I like to talk to about everything. Mm-hmm. And so when I notice there's like such a huge gap in where we stand on things, it's like, all right, well, don't need you in my life. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy for me to just be like. And I think over now, my old age of soon to be 47. I think you're changing. I, that's, I was about to say that, that I definitely have made like, these big shifts over the last two years. And I, one, my group is probably much smaller and even people that I don't like, I would call associates. Like I'm more, I'm less inclined to hang out, even hang out with them. Um, And for that reason, I think the people that I spend more time with now, we have um, more things. I think similarities, Um, we probably align in a lot of our beliefs about things. Um, And those people that Ben is um, talking about, like I probably don't spend as much time with them. And it's probably for those reasons. I think some of it too is like Jamisa is much more spectrum based. You and I tend to be a bit more binary. Mm -hmm. With this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Probably with a lot of things when it comes to like relationships with other people. Um, Like I will see this one thing that's happened with someone and but then I also will look at the bigger picture where I think. Do you think any of that's cultural too? And it may be. I'm I'm less inclined to do that for, for, for people that are not that are not of, of color. Mm-hmm. So if it's someone else, I'm just like, yeah, and I'm done. Like, I don't care. But I think for, if it's someone, you know, uh, my friend group, and if they are black and brown skinned people, I probably am more inclined to see it on the spectrum. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You come from a, like what I call a collective culture too, right? Where family is very important. Community is very yes. important. I wonder if part of it for me is just that kind of like, I wasn't raised where, like, uh, you, you're incredibly close to family and you're... Okay. You, so I'm probably quicker a, to be like, and I'm done. It's not a value so, thing either. I was going to think, I was going to say there's a lot well, of value. Well, you're going to face more judgment. No, 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 wow. no. Like, I, I agree with you in that there is a lot of, like, stock in my family about, like, you stick together. Your family, you know, if we, the people who are friends of, you know, family friends, like, you, you stick with them. you a lot within your family. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'd be quicker to be like, eh, I'm probably not going to talk to them anymore. Mm-hmm. That's true. What do you think? I mean, you're the only other person besides me uh, of color in here. I think I'm the kind of mix between the two of you. Like, I might give... <laughs> He's uh, like, I'm not going to give Jimmy any credit. Oh. No. Oh, you meant figuratively. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Just ignore it. Ignore, but, uh, I get what he's saying. You're so ignorant. But go ahead. I, I mean, guess the closer I am or was with somebody and the closer they are to being family-like, maybe the more leeway I'll give them, more chances. And the further they are from that, 
the less chances. Mm -hmm. And so this friend specifically was so like... So Jamisa gets one chance and I get like 50? <laughs> and now I was going to say, we probably both have like a 0.5 a chance, <laughs> of, you know, percentage of like of, of a chance. I mean, he's going to be like, and I'm done. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But like with the friend that we were we talking... We get one. <laughs> 1. 1.5. Mm -hmm. We had to share it. I think so. Okay, sorry, I mean. But with the friend we were talking about, like, I haven't seen him for a long time, uh, and we were not the closest of friends to begin with. We were very close back in the past, but then the trajectory of our lives went completely different. Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot of effort now to maintain a friendship. Mm -hmm. And then for me, hearing all that stuff, and then with the conversation afterwards, the no budging type of thing, mm -hmm. it's like, well, this is already a lot of work. And <laughs> So why do you think that person wouldn't budge? Do you think it's tied into these things we're talking about today? Mm-hmm. He's made very strong life decisions, I think, and for him to feel comfortable with his decisions, he has, he feels he needs to trust his way he sees things, I guess. And I think and isn't that that's I think that's how so many people see their lives. I think we skipped over that in our discussion mm -hmm. a little bit today. Like people have to give up things in their life if they're going to become less racist. Mm -hmm. So, like, think about this for a second, or less violent, or whatever. So, let's say we all. Um, have kind of benefited through race, racial systems and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I start thinking to myself, some of this stuff isn't fair, isn't just. If I start changing those beliefs, I then I'm going to get put into this kind of emotional quagmire of how do I still attend these events with Jimmy and Amin? Yeah, you just couldn't, right? Or you could, but mm -hmm. then you would just struggle emotionally and morally. And if that's my whole social group, and if that social group is also where all my work opportunities come mm -hmm. from, and that's my church group that I go mm -hmm. attend with, then you have nothing. I mean, who do you then spend time with? Yeah, I might be. Mm -hmm. Are we allowed to say that? I mean, you're gonna beat that. He'll beep it. it. Yeah, you end up getting a divorce, and <laughs> I mean, honest, and I think people do struggle with that. Like, they will. You have a partner then, who changes. But I think more people end up compromising and being like, "We'll just see." And the relationship. All of it. Like, I think rather than then changing. Because I think a lot of people have the insight of racism and violence. I think a lot of people recognize my partner is violent or my partner is racist or on the spectrum. But I think very few people then in, end up changing the behavior to match their realization. That is true. I think a lot of people end up just tolerating it. Mm -hmm. So oh, they decide to have a very surface type of relationship with that person and say, well, we're not going to talk about this. But I mean, good God, you can't turn on a news, social media, any of these things without it being there. Right. And so it's like, then what do you talk about? How do you engage with that person? And I think this is why you're able to maintain friendships that have strong prejudices and maybe Amin and I are not. Is because oh my gosh, we just talked. You're saying that I'm currently engaging in relationships with people that they have strong prejudices, yes. whatever. Because we we can argue about that. I'm about to go into shaming and blaming and fussing and cussing. <laughs> All right. Because what I think is Good important God. here, I was about to tell you a positive is I think you can have quote unquote friendships with people and you compartmentalize really well. So you can be like, I enjoy like having coffee with this person, but not talking about politics. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think Amin and I are like, if we're close to someone, everything. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to open up full board. Yep. Like remember that day you came in the office and Amin was showing me that rash in a very private area? <laughs> like that's kind of how we roll. Maybe a trusted pair of eyes. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the I people can't. that I'm really, really close to, they're very similar in that way. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about like my three closest friends. They're all people who are very kind of like, let's talk about everything. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, to the social group I'll be hanging out with tonight, there's some hemorrhoid conversation coming up. I mean, can you push those things back in? Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't. Apparently, he's very close with our TikTok followers as well. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's some of the difference here, Jamisa, is you... I can't even come back from that, like... <laughs> is you're able to compartmentalize your friendships in that way. And you'll be like, so-and-so called me. I'm like. Oh, yeah. So, like, so, like I'll have someone who I haven't spoken to in months, right? And they'll come out the blue and call me. And then it's just like, and you had a conversation with them. I'm okay, like. First of all, the Jamiso impressions of Ben are not at all accurate. But you will stay on the phone with someone for an hour and a half who you'll kind of say that you're not close to. And I'll be like, you're on the phone for an hour and a half. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just listening. And, like, I wouldn't be able to do that. I don't think Amin would be able to do that either. Mm -mm. Yeah. I, I'm very bad at faking interest. Mm -hmm. I get in a lot of trouble for that one. But how, now you're calling me fake. 
No. Oh, oh. oh my God. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like this whole episode is now turned back around about how Teresa is passive and she and tolerates people's bullshit. Friend had to go out with his wife and one of her friends. And at the end of the night, she was like, you checked out so early. He's like, no, I didn't. She's like, five minutes in, you pulled out your phone and you were watching sports for the rest of the evening. And he wasn't even aware of it. But that that's more like you and I, I yep. think. I mean, we would struggle to... Whereas you'd hold the conversation down. You'd go ahead and talk about the January 6th events and all that kind of stuff. And, and you'd be pretty happy doing so. I'm about to turn my mic off. You're going to storm out? <laughs> Maybe. You're going to control our movement? Shame and blame? Oh, my gosh. So that's one part of this kind of intersection, right, is I think that's why I think even though we're a violence organization, we talk so much about race because there's overlapping. Mm -hmm. Um, I was was in a conversation today with some um, state people talking about DV in the domestic violence in the state. And they're starting to recognize as a state now that we, in order to talk about domestic violence, have to be able to talk about intersectionality and race, Mm -hmm. intersectionality and gender. We have to talk about um, feminism and how parts of feminism might be harming the domestic violence movement Mm -hmm. and how parts of domestic um, feminism are really helping the domestic violence movement. Mm -hmm. And so having to have these really like um, high level kind of conversations about these things that... um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we're not a part of the domestic violence world at all. Right. And I think the reason that I wanted this to be one of the topics in our season on race was for people to see that similarity, to recognize that in their own lives, like justifying racism, justifying this prejudice and the bias and the systemic and internalization of that um, oppression is the same as violent behavior. And I don't think people make that connection. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's too hard, right? Because it, it, like you said, it goes back to all the things we talked about, like me being defensive about what you said. Mm-hmm. It's just like no one wants to hear that about themselves because mm-hmm. we see it as such a negative and um, just like a, like this is your overall personality. And I don't think it has to be that way. Anyone have to see it in that way. So let's lose the one listener we have left. And like, so if we say, hey, let's talk about police violence, immediately 50% of your audience is going to say that's an attack on the identity of police. Mm-hmm. And that conversation needs to stop because I'm related to a policeman or blah, 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 blah. And so you, these conversations are negated in so many different ways, be it about race, be it about violence, with these issues that people don't want to consider. Mm-hmm. So rather than, hey, us as a family, let's look at this. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. Let's become a less violent family, less racist family. People are quick to say, we're a happy family. Mm-hmm. You can tell so by our Instagram Christmas pictures. <laughs> And we will not hear anything differently. Yep. And there's so much shame, I think, attached to just having open conversations about it where people immediately move up that power and control ladder. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it would take for people to more openly talk about their levels of violence and their levels of racism? I mean, it goes back to the things that we just started, I mean, that we, um, we tar- start talking about at the beginning of this season and just kind of how we operate out of um, three trees, which is being able to emotionally regulate to be able to even hear that. Um, and then be able to like, even to do some self-reflection and saying like, maybe I am mm-hmm. um, again, it that goes curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, huh, I wonder if I am racist. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that would look like. Mm-hmm. I think the other part of it is being able to, um, and hopefully people are doing this a bit more. I doubt it. But just being able to think a bit more critically, like just have some critical thinking, thinking outside, looking at other aspects outside of just, you know, our bubble, mm-hmm. whether it be like the way that we get information about what's going on in the world, um, the people that we spend time around at work, go and hang out with some different people than the, you know, the two or three people that you typically hang out with within your office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think that'll help people talk about violence? How? I think it just helps you talk about like you just get to see things from a different perspective. I saw a quote from Anthony Bourdain. Um, obviously, it's one he made a while ago, but it said something like, <laughs> "What?" Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, um, he was saying, "If you can do anything today, go to a bar, order a beer, and talk to someone next to you, regardless of their opinions on stuff." Mm-hmm. He's like, "And just have a conversation and see if you can have fun with them." Mm-hmm. And I think we're frightened to do stuff like that yeah. because people move up that power and control ladder so quick. We were finding right with our TikTok that it almost become inflammatory in areas. And so we're like, hey, let's switch our tone a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
let's start kind of showing people how to focus on on creating bridges, but also being clear about our opinions. Right. Being clear about what we believe based on experience, not just emotional, <laughs> like, um, but what what we've learned in our twenty plus years of mm-hmm. doing this kind of work. And it, what is so amazing to me is that, you know, however long I have been teaching classes, um, be it domestic violence, um, sexual violence, um, treatment or whatever, like... Have you graduated yet? I have uh, not yet. Um, I found that the mentality of the people in those groups haven't changed much. I mean, p- correct me if I'm wrong, you probably do more classes than I do now. You don't mean the individual, you mean the collective The mentality. collective okay. mentality has I thought she was just admitting the programs that I mean. No, 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 no. The collective <laughs> mentality no of the people that are participating in the group. It's so similar. Uh, yeah. It's copy paste. Yeah, it's it literally thing. is. I mean, you can go back to what, 15 years ago to the present. And you think about like, if we were to write down collectively, these are the thoughts, these are the opinions, these are the quotes that the people and the group mm-hmm. have. And we 15 years ago to present in 2023, and it would be the same, mm-hmm. um, if you know, similar, if not the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So we continue to encourage people to be curious. Mm-hmm to um, really regulate your own emotions well. I think the three of us are as guilty of that as anyone else of just getting frustrated with the harm that's being created, which leads us to kind of shut down conversations and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that these conversations can happen. But even when someone challenges you, and I try to do this in my practice, like if someone comes up with a thought or something and it's like, you know, um, some sort of cognitive distortion, like even asking people like, where's the origin of this? Like, where'd you even get this from? Mm-hmm. So if you were to challenge me and say, Jimmy, so, you know, you yell at me every single time I don't, I don't know, what do you do? Clean the countertops off. And it's like, you know, where, and if, and if that's a constant for me, like, where, where did I get that from? Where did I get that behavior from? Like, can I trace it back to... Oh, you want me to? No, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, did you get your outfit today from the Toblerone factory? The what? This is the color, I think. But, but the, the last thing I do want to mention... Thank you. I mean, because so, I thought you were going to say something I, before this ignorant comment came I, up. I do think me and Ben gave ourselves too much kudos for cutting off people whenever we disagree. I think there might be benefits to not doing so. And I wasn't giving myself kudos at all. I, I was, was just saying it's very kudos. different. <laughs> for cutting people off when you disagree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I think... Like, I think that has a lot to do with our emotional fragility yeah. around maintaining exactly and so like jamisa being consistent about her points and still talking to these people over all these years maybe eventually they have somebody to go to to ask questions mm-hmm. once they become curious having a friend like that so thank you i mean yeah when are you seeing clayton bigsby next <laughs> <laughs> all right hope everyone has a great week you are <laughs> the most ignorant individual I've met. I love you. Like you you were on a 10 today. No more caffeine. Good God.